All right, I like it. I like it. That's good. Amen. How you guys doing today? Good? All right. We have um, a couple of announcements before we get into the word today. First of all, how many of you guys have finished school? You are done for the semester. <laughs> one guy. One, one guy. All right, congratulations. Oh, hey, yeah, I see some people back. Um, I know some people are going to be leaving. If, if, it's your, if you're going back for summer break and this is your last um, Sunday here with us, let me see your hand real quick. Is it just, oh, there's a handful of people. Oh, sadness. Dude, okay, well, we bless you guys. I pray that this summer is an amazing summer for you, that you grow deeper in intimacy with God, and, um, and I pray that it's restful. Um, how many guys are in finals right now? Or, yeah. All right, let me get let me get a short word here. Do not give in to crazy anxiety during finals week. Amen. Amen. No crazy anxiety for me. The a little bit of anxiety helps me study well. I don't know about you. The pressure it's like a diamond, right? It makes my mind a diamond. So a little bit of feeling the pressure, that's okay, but don't give in to anxiety. Your professors do not hold your destiny in their hands. That is not the truth, right? Amen. Let's be filled with integrity. Let's do it well. Let's be excellent. Let's do it as unto the Lord. Um, and also, I want to say a quick thing. For summer break, I know that many of you are getting ready to go on summer break. Be vigilant over summer, okay? I know the temptation is as soon as you finish all your finals, you're like, dude, that's it. Now I'm going to party for three months, right? Do not have that mentality. You will spiritually die. We live in a spiritual war whether you want to be in that war or not. So when you embrace a mentality of resting and comfort and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to chill, you will die. You will spiritually die. Don't do it, okay? Take a couple of days, take a week to enjoy your break, but maintain an attitude of spiritual warfare, okay? Does that make sense? And don't waste your summer. Do not waste your summer. We're talking about what we can do, perhaps a summer internship or something like that, but do not waste your summer. You have an incredible opportunity to grow in the Lord. Go on mission trips, do an internship, study the scriptures. If we do a summer burning house of prayer, be a part of that, whatever, but make sure you are fully engaged. Take advantage of the time because the days are evil. Amen? All right. Wife. <laughs> okay. All right, um, before we get into our message today, today is Mother's Day. I wanted to share a couple pictures that we have. We can see the, the first picture. That's my mom. That's cute, huh? She's with, she's with my daughter. My mom is one of my heroes in my life. She really is. And she prayed so vigilantly for me. I was a very jacked up young boy. People tell me this all the time. My old friends, they always tell me I was the biggest jerk they knew, right? I was really messed up. Um, but my mom prayed for me so much, and I'm fully convinced that her prayers and her encouragement um, were really one of the reasons why God took a hold of my life. And so I'm eternally thankful uh, for my mom, and I just want to honor her. I also have um, another picture here of, uh, there's uh, me and my wife. This is our wedding. Um, this, is, um, this is my spiritual mom, the black lady. 
right? Um, she officiated our wedding, and um, she's amazing. I love her so much. I'm so thankful for her and for her influence over my life. One of these days, I told her I want to um, bring her here. She moved to Texas, though, so she's a... Uh, She's hard to get, she's, it's a little hard to get her in here, but hopefully one of these days um, she'll be able to come out here and hang out with us. I would love for you guys to meet her. She is the most gracious person I have ever met in my entire life, right? No matter what you do, she's going to love you, right? She's the most amazingly gracious person. And the next slide. This is also at our wedding. This is um, our three moms. There's my mom, that's Hannah's mom on the left, and Mama Vera, my spiritual mom there. Man, blast from the past. What was that, 2009? Dang. That was almost eight years ago or something like that, right? All right, but today we are honoring our mothers for Mother's Day. Um, and how many of you guys know we have, we have a couple mothers right here in BTM? We just want to honor you guys. You guys are so amazing, and um, it's such a blessing to have amazing mothers in our midst. So thank you so much for, for being here. All right, with that, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We are taking a break from our Ephesians series, and we're going to turn to the book of Ephesians, <laughs> chapter 6 this time. <laughs> we are taking a little bit of a break. Now, um, Pastor Kim gave us a command today, thou must teach children, obey your parents. So I will obey, I will teach children, obey your parents. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to do verses 1 through 4. It's on the board right there, it says this, children... Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father. We ask for your blessing here today. Spirit, we welcome you that you would come and breathe life on your word, that your word would become rhema in our hearts, that it would become prophetic, Father, that it would become direct to our hearts. And Lord, that your word would impart faith and an ability to change, Lord God. Father, we ask for this grace today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The family is under attack in our culture. This is really important for us to understand. This is not a minor issue. This is an absolutely major, vastly important issue. And the reason is this. The health of families is, will determine the health of your society at large. The health of individual families is directly responsible for the health of society at large. How many of you guys are sociology majors? Most of what you study is garbage. <laughs> wow, did I just do that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I am a bit savage. I am a bit savage. 
And the reason is this, because in many of these types of majors, you are going to study all of these various causes for societal, you know, societal problems, how to fix them. Almost always the assumption is that the government holds some kind of key to fixing society in some kind of way, through some kind of program, through some kind of policy. And I'm not saying that government cannot have any effect. It does have an effect on society. But I want to tell you, Family is the primary issue. Family is the primary issue. When we look at poverty in America, I will tell you, it is about families. It is about families. It is not because the government isn't doing something or other. It really is primarily about families. We see that single-parent households have incredibly high rates of child incarceration, right, juvenile delinquency, failure in school, drug addiction, all sorts of problems happen because kids grow up in broken families. It's the root of the issue. Why does the church talk so much about sex? I see it all the time. People say, why are Christians such prudes about sex? What's their big issue? And the issue is that sex has an important role in family. And when you take sex outside of the boundaries of family, you start to destroy the family unit. In fact, most of the problems with family in our culture today are because we've allowed sex outside of marriage to become normative. What it does is it destroys the need for commitment. It destroys our ability to have healthy lifestyles. And ultimately what it leads to is it leads to unwanted children. I say this again. If you do not want your child, you are in sin. If you do not want your child, you are in sin. How much abortion? Look, people struggle with whether abortion is a sin or not. I'll tell you, it's the root of it. If you don't want your child, it's a sin. Your child is a treasure, is a great treasure. Why? Because you were a child once upon a time. And you are a treasure. And when we embrace a mentality today where we can engage in illicit sexual behavior that, of course, is going to spawn children, and these are children without parents who are committed to one another and thus can provide a healthy and protected environment for children, then you are going to grow up. You're going to create situations where children grow up and they feel unloved, unwanted. They don't feel valued. They don't feel protected. And you lead to societal destruction as a whole. It is a major issue. This is not a minor issue. It's not because God thinks sex is a bad thing. Sex is a wonderful thing, okay? I know better than all of you. It's so much better, right? <laughs> sex is a wonderful thing, okay? Is that TMI? Can we be real? Come on. I know you guys are having way worse conversations by yourself. Don't begin. Sex is a wonderful thing. God loves sex, okay? In its proper context. Do you know that married people have way more sex than unmarried people? I guess this is news for some people. In every study, married people have far more sex than unmarried people. God wants you to have lots of sex. 
and he wants you to have it in a relationship where it's meaningful and protected, and it's important that it doesn't destroy your soul, okay? This is the context in which we talk about these things, and it's important as Christians that we understand the root cause of some of these issues. Right now, family is under crazy spiritual attack. Again, we've been talking throughout this Ephesians series about how there is a spiritual war raging around us, and if we are not aware of what's happening in that spiritual war, then we are unable to contribute meaningfully to it. What happens is we don't understand the things that are important. And we're not able to bear lasting eternal fruit if we don't understand the nature of this war. What am I trying to say? Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm not here to rail against people per se. I'm here to rail against ideas and mentality. Every thought that exalts its name above the name of Christ, we take those thoughts captive. We battle ideas. Why? Because these ideas are fueled by spiritual powers that are actually trying to destroy us and destroy the society in which we live. Am I making sense? Our family is under attack, brothers and sisters. And I'll tell you this. It's so important that we engage in this battle in a meaningful way. It's not just important for us as individuals. It's important for our nation. It's important for society as a whole. It's vastly important. And if we think about it, isn't it what we all want? Isn't that what we long for, just to have a family that's amazing, that's healthy? I think all of us naturally dream about that. That's why we go watch movies, right, where people seem like they fall in love, and it used to be that it would just be, and they lived happily ever after. You almost never see that in movies anymore, right? We have this dream in our hearts for a great and wonderful family, and I'll tell you this. A happy family really is a piece of heaven on the earth. It really is a piece of heaven on the earth. It's something all of our hearts long for and desire and want, and yet it is also one of the most difficult things to have. It is one of the greatest treasures on the earth, and it's also one of the hardest, most difficult things to actually attain. And I, and I know that many of us know that because we all have families ourselves. And I'm sure that for many of us, Family is a difficult place to be. It can be difficult to live in a home with your family. For me, when I was growing up, I didn't always consider my mom to be one of my heroes. In fact, I used to get so annoyed with my mother. Every single time she would say more than three words to me, the annoyance would start to creep in. By the time she got to sentence number two, I would be like, Mom, okay, okay, Mom, okay, 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 Mom, okay, I got it, I got it. And this annoyance would just rise up in my heart and would push her away. And I didn't understand at the time what was going on. I just thought, oh, yeah, I just get annoyed with my mom sometimes, not realizing that it was the enemy who had erected a wall of division in my heart between me and my mother. And I had no idea how to overcome it. I had no idea how to fix it. And yet it had destroyed the intimacy that I once had with someone who was so special in my life. And how many of our families are similar? And how many of our families are our mothers and our fathers not even able to have a loving and intimate conversation anymore? Or in how many of our families has one of our parents actually already left? Brothers and sisters, this is an epidemic in our nation right now. And if we understand that God's desire for us is to bring healing and wholeness to our families... And not only that, but to 
teach us and give us true maturity. Why? So that we can have healthy families of our own. Let me say this. It doesn't just happen. In fact, if you don't realize that this is a major difficulty, let me put it to you this way. The enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. Broken families don't just happen because of bad luck. It happens because there's systematic attack against families. And if you don't overcome the things while you're single that you must in order to mature, it's going to be impossible for you to have a healthy family. When we're talking about growth, this is essential. This is not optional. This is why we must grow. We must become like him. Why? Because in humility, humbly speaking, I know, that unless God changes many of us, we will not be able to have a healthy family. And understand this, that culture and society is getting worse in our culture. It's getting harder and harder. More and more people are not getting married today. They think that that's because they don't want to. Oh, I just don't want to get married anymore. I just don't want to do that not realizing that what the enemy has done to their hearts has made it impossible for them to have intimacy. Not realizing that there are walls around their hearts that are blocking them off from the very thing that they were designed and created to long for. Everyone wants intimacy. There are no exceptions because we've all been created in the image of God. Everyone longs for intimacy, but all of us have to deal with the walls in our hearts that keep us from the intimacy that we want. In fact, brothers and sisters, all of us should be incredibly thankful today that we have so much relative health in our culture. Hannah and I were looking, you know, online at these abortion statistics this week, and, um, you know, America is actually doing much better than it was. I don't know if you know this, but the, the abortion rate has gone down significantly over the past 10, 15 years, right? Significantly, it has decreased. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the prayer movement and how abortion has been systematically targeted in prayer. But, you know, in all these former communist countries, especially, the, the abortion rate is unbelievable. In some countries, it's, it's a third to a quarter. In some countries, it's as high as well, half of all pregnancies end in abortion. These are major problems, but we should be thankful that we live in a culture that's as healthy as it is. And for us, um, and many of us are Asian American, for us, we should be doubly thankful because there's a, a dynamic in Asian culture where we have a greater degree of honor in our culture for our parents than most of the other cultures here in America. And that might seem like a small thing, but it's actually an incredible blessing. It's an incredible blessing. It's the primary reason why Asians tend to do better in school and have better careers overall. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it's actually true. Why? Because there's a value, right, and an honor for elders to receive their teaching, to obey their teaching. Look, no grade school student wants to study math. None of them, right? It's not one of those, oh, yeah, math is great, right? Well, well there are some a little bit. The weird kids, right? But generally speaking, nobody wants to study, right? It's like, it's, it's something you don't want to do. You don't want to do your homework. You don't want to do your reading. Why do we do it? Because our parents make us. That's why we do it. And if we didn't have their influence and their discipline and their instruction, or if we didn't have an honor for them to actually do it, then we wouldn't do it. And what's the consequences of that? 
well, then we would suffer in our lives. This is a real thing, but it's a spiritual thing, brothers and sisters. I want us to understand that this is a spiritual dynamic that's going on. So we as, you know, I hear a lot of times people talk about Korean culture in a derogatory way, and sometimes I do too, I confess. There are weaknesses in Korean culture, and I understand not all of us are are Korean. Um, But we should always honor the strengths that are here too, right? That's important that we honor um, the strengths of our culture, and we are thankful for them. And that's a huge part of what we're going to be talking about today with this idea of submission and honor and obeying our parents. But I want to say one more thing before we get there about the attack that that the family unit is under in America, really at its heart, has to do with this. Who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or are you living for others? The nature of family is this, that when you're in a family, you can't just live for yourself. You can't do it. You have to sacrifice on behalf of other family members. You don't get to do just whatever you want to do. Your dumb brother wants to sleep in his, you know, he wants his own bed, right? So sometimes you have to make sacrifices so he can do that, right? Your mom doesn't always want to wash your dishes. So sometimes she wants you to wash the dishes. The nature of living in a family unit is that you're living in a constant state of having to sacrifice for one another. And the issue is that in our culture, we've become so independent and so disdainful of family that once we have independence and we get used to doing whatever we want, I can do whatever I want. Nobody can tell me what to do. I can use all my money on myself. I can have, have my own plan for my life and do everything myself. Then what happens is we don't want to enter back into relationships that force us to sacrifice. This is the epidemic in our culture where everyone's living for their own pleasure. Can we see that? People thought, no, I don't want a family. Why? Because I want to excel in my job. Because I want to have a great salary and I want to be able to travel and I want to do all these kinds of things. Listen to me. All that stuff, it's cool, but it's nothing compared to family. It's nothing. Having the greatest paying job and getting to travel all over the world, that stuff is worthless compared to having intimate relationships in the context of family. And yet, all throughout our culture, we're now in a place where it's become acceptable to do what you want to do. Why should you abort that child? Because it would mess up your life. This burdens, it grieves my heart. Or how about we sacrifice our lives? Look, if your understanding of what it means to have a baby is that, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be so wonderful. You're going to be able to play with, with him, and you're going to have so much fun together. There is that aspect. But look, in the short term, it is a life of sacrifice, right? It is a life of sacrifice. When you have a baby, you are going to sacrifice like you never sacrificed. You're going to sacrifice all your sleep. You're not going to be able to hang out with other people for a long time. Right? You can't just go watch a movie whenever you want. All these sacrifices happen, and yet it's so worth it. It is better. I would rather have a child than watch all the movies I want to watch and do all that kind of stuff. It's way better. But brothers and sisters, we must understand the root of all these things. Let me put it to you this way. Do you eagerly desire to have children? Is that an eager desire of your heart? And if it's not... Let me lovingly ask you, why not? Why not? 
Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. The mandate from God to humanity is to be fruitful and to multiply. It is a command, right? A corporate command for us that we are to be fruitful. What does that mean? That means having children is an obedience to the Lord. Having children is an obedience to the Lord. It is a good thing to have children. Psalms 127 verse 3 says this, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. That's what the Bible says. It says that children are a gift from God. And if our mentality is children are a burden, and I don't want to do it, let me tell you something lovingly. You have something broken inside of you. You have something broken inside of you, and you need God to change your heart. I say that lovingly because, look, we all have stuff that's broken inside of us, right? But understand this. The reason why people think this way is because of the influence of our culture right now. The influence of our culture is children are a burden. Children get in the way of you having fun and living the life that you want to live. All of that is a demonic lie. All of that is garbage. No, no, no. Children are the best means for you to become a mature person. How do you become mature? You learn to lovingly sacrifice, right? You learn to lovingly lay down your life. This is, this is Christianity 101. When we die to ourselves, what happens? We receive new life from the Lord. You can't get new life unless you die to yourself. And by God's grace, he's given us this incredible mechanism by which we can die to ourselves. Right? Little screaming balls of joy. Right? Constantly complaining and asking for things all the time. Right? And you have to die to yourself dozens of times a day. Right? And guess what? You mature. Let me put it to you another way. It is impossible for you to mature unless you figure out a way to get yourself to deny yourself it is impossible you cannot mature unless you're subjected to forces that will cause you to make the decision to deny yourself this makes sense what's going on is this we've become nationally spoiled we're like a bunch of spoiled children i want my way no i don't want to obey that command why because i don't like it right not realizing that in the kingdom, you learn wisdom. It even says that Jesus learned wisdom through what he suffered. Right? We learn wisdom through the process and what we undergo. And let me say this. Family is an incredible blessing. I love my family. I love it. I'm so thankful. I had, when did I have children, babe? When I was 27, 28, 27. We had Judah when I was about 27 or 28 or something like that. I thank God I had him that early. You know how much I've matured since then? Jesus. It's amazing, right? I thank God that I had children at a young age. And a lot of people are like, oh, no, you should put it off till you're like 30. Wow, where does it say that in the Bible? Wow, where's that scripture, huh? See, children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hand. 
understand the mentality of, oh, yeah, I'll wait till I'm 35 to have children and get married. I'm like, look, you have the freedom to do that, you know, unless the Lord commands you specifically. Otherwise, you have the freedom to do that. But look, why would you put off your own maturation process? Why would you just indulge your own single lifestyle for so long? It's like, do you want to be immature forever? No. Amen. Amen. Right? I have the same mentality towards marriage, by the way. I don't know why people think they got to wait till they're 29 to get married. Now, some of y'all ain't going to be mature enough to be married when you're 29. But look, marriage is not about age. It's about maturity. I would prefer that you are mature enough to get married now and then get on with it. Brothers, you think God is, is, is destined that you struggle with lust, you know, like you, for like 30 years of your life? No, he says, why don't you hurry up and mature and get married and get on with it? Right? And get on with it. Am I making sense? This is, this is the mentality that I believe we have. We're to see family not as a curse, as a blessing. We're to see children as a great blessing. And they are a great blessing because if you could see the way God designed family, your family is supposed to be your closest friends. I remember I had this revelation when I was in college. I realized that my dad was supposed to be my best friend. It had never occurred to me before that that was how it was supposed to be. It had never occurred to me in my life. And like a lightning bolt, there was a revelation Wow, that's how it's supposed to be. I'm supposed to be able to ask him anything with the confidence that he loves me and understands me. And he's supposed to be able to give me wise advice so I'm not doing stupid things all the time. That's how it's supposed to be. How many of us long for mentors in our lives? Right? We want spiritual mentors in our lives, people who will love us and be devoted to us and speak wisdom to us and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because that's what your parents are supposed to be. In God's design, that's how it's supposed to be. Now, why aren't they? Is it God's fault? No, brothers and sisters, it's our fault. We break our own families. Right? We break our own families. And a lot is because we don't understand. We just don't know how to have healthy families. Right? This is important for us to understand because we're going to talk about this a little bit. We have to, we have to forgive, and, and a huge part of that is to recognize it's not that your parents are trying to be messed up to you. It's they don't know how to do it correctly, right? Meaning this, to the degree that you don't mature now, guess what? You're going to be doing all the same things, right, when you get a family. It behooves us, let's mature now. Let's cry out that God would give us a radical grace to grow in our character now. That we would be able to love with real depth and intimacy. That we would be able to forgive in a real way. That we would be humble so that we don't get offended by every little thing that happens to us in our relationships. Whatever it might be, let's call out for God to change us. Why? Because you are going to be the primary discipler for your children. Whether you want to or not. You're going to be the primary influence in their lives. And if you call out to God and let him change you now, if you have a drive that he would change you now, then let me tell you this. Your family can be amazing. 
Your family can be amazing. Even if you know you're super jacked up right now, let me tell you, God can transform you like crazy in a short amount of time. The only thing that's in the way, the major thing that's in the way, is our own pride. Our own pride says, what? I don't need to be changed. I'm pretty good right now. I can do it. I'll be fine. But when we have humility, we go, God, I know I have all these problems. God, I have all these places of insecurity. I have all these fears. I have all this pride. And we confess it to the Lord. What we do is we invite him to come and to work in our hearts and to minister to us. And what does he do? He transforms us. He changes us. And he makes us like him. Amen. Amen. In our culture, the role of mothers and fathers, one of the attacks has been to say that there is no role for mothers and fathers. That we're all, we should, we should just ignore gender, right? That there are, shouldn't really be any gender distinctions. But let me tell you this. There is an important role for both mothers and fathers. Right? The way that I tend to think about it like this is I tend to think of the mothering anointing to be that anointing that embraces no matter what. Right? You have these criminals, right? They've murdered like three guys, and their mom's like, no, but you don't know him, right? He's the most amazing young man, right? Why? That's the mothering anointing. The mother anointing loves unconditionally. Right? It gives comfort. It gives acceptance. Right? This is such an important anointing. Guess what? God has a mothering anointing. Right? Jesus stands over Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I long to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you weren't willing. Even in the midst of their rebellion, and even though they're about to crucify him, right? Jesus is saying, but you don't see how much I love you, how I long to comfort you and gather you. Right? This is the heart of God. He wants some others, and this is an important role. Now, when I'm clarifying this, understand this. I'm not saying that only mothers can act this way. We all have to act this way. For us who are going to be fathers, too, we must understand the mother anointing. But there will be a way in which mothers tend to be much better at this, right? And that's not all, you know, that's not all nurtured mentality. Why? Because mothers are designed in that way. Guess what? No matter how much you want to be a mother, brother, you can't be. You do not have the physiology. When kids are young, they need their moms. Get used to it, dads. It's just the way it is, right? Which one do you want? You line them up, dads like this, moms like this. They're going to choose mom like every single time. Doesn't mean you're a bad dad. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're a bad dad. <laughs> it's just the way of it. What God gave sisters, he gave you a physiology to suit the role that you're to play, right? To nurture them, right? To feed them, right? To do all the things that only mothers can do. And they develop an incredible bond. Young children need mothers. In fact, it is the primary place where a child gets a sense of security, right? Because the mother accepts the child and is with the child and loves on the child. And the child develops an incredible sense of security, right, initially because of that bond with the mother. Right? Now, there's also a father anointing. The father anointing is, is the one that calls out destiny, the one that demands discipline, 
the one that demands growth, the one that sets boundaries, right? This is the Father anointing. This is an equally important part of the heart of God, right? God not only loves us unconditionally, right, and he gives us grace and mercy and he comforts us, but he also calls us to perfection, right? He calls us to be much more than we currently are. Why? Fathers, see the potential within us and call us to that. Now, let me put it to you this way. What happens when you do not have a father in your life? You have no idea what to do, right? You have no idea what to do. You don't know why. Why should I try hard in school? Why should I pray? Why should I be disciplined? To the degree that we don't have a fathering voice in our lives, we don't have direction. Am I making sense? Both of these roles are important. Now, let me say this also. All of us, to some degree, do not have the fullness of these anointings in our life. And if we seek the Lord, he promises, put the kingdom first. Seek the kingdom first and his righteousness, and he'll give us everything that we need, right? Including all of these influences in our lives. Being a parent, it takes real sacrifice. It is not automatic you must make the decision to sacrifice your life for your children. Let me say this. A lot of mothers think it, think it's just going to happen naturally. There's a degree where there's a natural transition into that, and yet you still must make that decision. You must make the decision over and over and over again that you are going to lay down your life, and number two, that you are going to forgive your children. I know this sounds weird, but as a parent, guess what? You get bitter at your children. You get offended by them. You're like, you ungrateful little... Do you know, right? I remember one time I took my kids to Disneyland, right? It's a, it's a big job, right? I took them by myself, right? I was lugging them around in this double stroller, right? We get to the first ride, and they just start complaining, right? One of them's like, yeah, I want to go on this ride. I'm like, okay. And the other one's like, no, not this ride. Starts wailing and whining, right? And, and as a parent, you're just there, and you're like, Right? You know the kid doesn't know better, but you're offended. You're offended, right? And guess what? As a parent, you have to continually forgive. I forgive my kids all the time, right? Whenever I sense that any little thing that they've said has pierced my heart a little bit, right? My kids tell me every single day almost that I am not their favorite daddy. It's always God and Jesus. Is their favorite daddy. And I say, how about number three? Am I your third favorite daddy? Eden never says I'm her third favorite. Because she knows she likes to needle me. You know what I mean? I, I just joke about that. But as a parent, you have to be continually forgiving. And guess what happens if you don't continually forgive? You start to develop bitterness toward your kids. Right? Your affection for them starts to go down. And then what happens? The intimacy starts to fade from your relationship. That's a real thing. That's a real thing in any relationship. And it's a very real dynamic in our parents' relationships with us. Right? Why is that important? Because, brothers and sisters, how do we honor our own mothers? Well, first of all, we need to understand that. Right? We need to understand that our mothers are human beings with all of the same flaws that we have. Now, you guys are college students. You're much, you understand that your parents, you know, have strengths and weaknesses. Guess what? When you're younger, you don't realize that. 
right? When you're younger, you're, all you know is your parents. You don't have anything to compare them to, right? But when you start getting older and you start to see how it is with other people's parents, and you start to notice, you start to realize, oh my gosh, my parents have real weaknesses and have real problems. And then what happens? Then you get an opportunity to step into a place of judgment over them. Where now you can see real weaknesses in them. And you can go, this was wrong what they did. They should have protected me better. They should have spent more time with me. They should have been more loving. They should have given me better advice. Whatever it might be, there's a million different ways that we can look at the weaknesses of our parents and stand in judgment against them. I want to say, if you do that, you absolutely will contribute to destroying your relationship with your parents. A lot of times, these types of judgments, they happen unconsciously. You don't realize that you're making these judgments. But brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you, as soon as you recognize that there is unrighteous judgment in your heart towards your parents, I want to tell you this, you must repent of it. You must repent. That's even if your parents, you maybe you have the most jacked up parents in the entire world. Maybe you are lucky number one. You still have to forgive them for everything. You still have to forgive them for everything. I'll say this. When, we're, when you're in a context of abuse, it is almost impossible to forgive from that context. Right? You have to step out of the context and, and feel safe. And from that perspective, you can start to forgive. Does that make sense? Let me say this. If you are in a place of abuse, now many of you are, are far older, right? But if you are in a place of abuse, it is not submission to stay in that place of abuse. Am I making sense? You're not obligated to stay in a submitted place where you're submitting to reoccurring abuse over and over. That's not what I'm saying. You can get free. Okay? You can tell someone. You can, tell, you can talk to pastors here in our ministry. You can talk to people in your school. There's many ways that you can deal with this. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't want you to misunderstand and think that I'm saying that you have to stay in a place of abuse. But if you're not in a place of active abuse, then it's time to start forgiving. Okay, it's time to start forgiving. If you've gone through our discipleship training 200 series class, you've gone through many of the ways in which we have to forgive our parents to receive healing. Let me put it to you this way. If you've never done determined, proactive forgiveness systematically towards your parents, there are going to be incredible places of blockage in your spiritual life. This is a spiritual dynamic. It's a spiritual law. Jesus says it this way, that if you do not forgive others the sins that they commit against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your sins. This is a spiritual dynamic that when we hold onto offense and bitterness, it blocks the flow of blessing in our lives. And what most people do not understand is that you have years, sometimes decades, of unforgiveness that has been added and accumulated over the course of your life. And when we go through episodes of inner healing, all we're doing is we're dealing with a layer of that but I always tell people, you don't go through one season of inner healing. You go through seasons of healing as God continues to heal you more and more and more. When I was in college, God started to take me through an incredible process of healing with my family. And I started to realize how hardened my heart had become towards them. And I started, God, 
by his grace, was humbling me so much, and I started to realize I am so jacked up. My heart is so messed up. I remember I had this, I saw, I went to this conference, I saw this kid push his little brother. I just broke down, right? I started crying because I was like, that's me. Right? I pushed my brother. Right? I was messed up. I was, a, I was really messed up to my little brother. And God started to convict me of all that was wrong with my heart. And I just went into a season where I was repenting so much. Right? I was repenting and I was forgiving. And God was revealing all these places of hurt in my heart. And you know what started to happen? My heart started to change. Right? My heart started to change. I went home that summer after my freshman year in college. And I started having real conversations with my mom again. I hadn't had conversations with her in years, right? I started to have real conversations with her. I started to open up my heart to her. And you know what happened? I started to develop real intimacy again with my mom, right? And now she's one of the most incredible blessings in my life, right? She loves my kids. She takes care of my kids all the time. She's such a great influence on them. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Have a vision of intimacy with your parents, not just toleration. Let me put it to you another way. If you settle for toleration in your family, how the heck are you going to learn the maturity and wisdom that you need to deal with your marriage when you get into the same places? Every marriage gets hard, all of them. And if you don't, do the hard things now to forge intimacy with your family. It's going to be that much harder for you to do in the context of your own marriage. Do it now. Take the steps of faith now. What does that look like? It means actively forgiving on your own side and then trying, pursuing, seeking intimacy with your parents. Opening up your hearts to them. Asking for their wisdom. How do you honor your mother? You recognize that she's worthy of honor. Your mother, let me tell you this, has incredible wisdom. She has way more wisdom than you do. If you don't believe that, that's a product of our rebellious culture. There are many things that you only learn by going through a lot of stuff in your life. There's a reason why experience is necessary to accumulate real wisdom. Right? Let me say, your, your mom has incredible wisdom within her. You need to draw it out of her. You need to draw it out of her. Do you know what happens when you start giving honor to your parents? You start drawing honorable behavior out of them. Right? You start drawing honorable behavior out of them. I want to encourage you. Try. Right? Try. Just right now. If you haven't told your mom happy Mother's Day, could you just pull out your phone right now? It's okay. I give you permission to pull out your phone. Right? And right now together... Can we just ask God, God, what's one life-giving thing that I could say to my mom that could build her up? You need to start ministering to your parents. You're old enough now. Minister to them. You could be now the most powerful minister in their lives. What's one thing that you could say? Mel, could you come up and just give us a little bit of music while we're praying over there? I want us just to stay on this note for a second. I want you to prophesy over your mom today. Just prophesy over her. You know the nature of prophecy is? You see someone from God's perspective. What does that mean? You don't see them as they are right now. You see them as they are in eternity. 
right? You see them in their most glorious state, and then you call them into that destiny. They may not be wholly there right now, but you say, Mom, I believe in you. I believe in you, right? I know who you really are. And I'll tell you that so many of our moms are longing for someone who will believe in them. Somebody who will see them not through the lens of all of their failures and weaknesses and problems, but somebody who will see the potential in them and will believe in them. I'm not saying that you have to endorse any negative behavior that they're doing. But believing in someone means that you know that they have the potential to be so much more than they could be. And that makes me sad. Just take a little bit of time. I want to encourage you. Go ahead and send your mom a text message right now. Just tell her that you love her, that you honor her. I want to encourage you, if you've never tried to prophesy, it's really easy to try. I'm not saying that you'll be able to do it, but you could try. <laughs> you ask the Lord for a word. You see if it lines up with Scripture. You see if it feels like the fruit of the Spirit. Does it feel like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness? Does it feel like that? And if it does, send it off and hope that it's gone. Just take a little bit of time right now. close our service here in just a second. Um, before I do, I really just want to honor um, my wife right now, who is an amazing mother. God, I'm so proud of you. I know it's so hard, but you've done such an amazing job. And I really am so thankful for your influence in our kids' lives. And Janice, also, I want to honor you. In my book, you are an absolute hero. It is such an honor for us, for you to be here in BTM. Um, I'm really proud of you. I have no idea where you are right now, but I love you and I'm thankful for you wherever you are. Uh, would you just pray with me as we finish today? 
Father, right now we choose to give you thanks for our mothers, Lord God. Lord, I ask right now that you would open our eyes to see our mothers the way that you see them, O God. Father, not just through the lens of our frustrations and our hurts and our negative experiences from the past, but I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts to see them from your perspective, Father. Father, to see their sacrifice, Lord, to see the hardships that they faced, Lord God. Lord, to see their real and genuine love, Lord God. And Father, also to see their brokenness from your perspective, Lord. Father, that you love them. In your eyes, they're little children, and you love them so much, oh God. And Father, right now we pray for our moms. Lord, we ask that you would build them up, Lord God. Father, that you would use us. We say, here we are, oh God. Would you send us into our families, Lord, as ministers of your gospel, oh God. Father, give us grace to speak life in places where there is death, to speak forgiveness in places where there's hardness of heart. Father, to speak hope where there's despair. Lord, we believe that you can do all things, that you can transform our families. I pray, oh God, that you would make us intercessors for our families, Lord. And Father, ministers, Lord, make us ministers to our parents in this season. And Lord, I pray right now in every place where we feel controlled and mistreated and maybe even abused in some ways, I pray right now that you would give us grace, oh God, grace to see from your perspective that you promise, Lord, that you can restore all things, that you can heal all things. Right now, we choose to put our trust in you, Jesus, that you're going to fix everything that's been broken, that it doesn't have to stay the way that it is right now, but you can bring complete healing, complete restoration. Right now, we speak it over every family in this room, oh God. Father, we ask, bring miracles, bring miracle power into our families, oh God. Bring works of healing, oh God. Father, I pray for reconciliations between estranged parents, oh God. Between brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, I pray, bring reconciliation. I pray for where there's hardness of heart, I pray for repentance. Lord, a spirit of humility to come upon them, Lord. And Father, that you would bring complete restoration. Lord, we believe that all things are possible and we ask that you would use us as ministers of your kingdom and your gospel in our own families. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As always, we're going to have ministry time right now. If you just want to stay after, you can come up here and have some wonderful time to pray. Otherwise, God bless you. We pray that you have an amazing week this week. Please remember to sign up. There's so many things to sign up for this summer. Check in with our welcoming table. Um, we've got so many missions trips. I would really encourage you to consider checking out one of them. And if you're going to Contend America, spots are limited to 20 people and it's filling up fast. So please sign up quickly. Okay. God bless you.